0: What's happening to everybody? And thanks for tuning in to the 277th episode of the Crash Bang Boom podcast. Today's guest is drummer BJ Graves of Knoxville, Tennessee's own Generation of Vipers. BJ and I caught up to talk about the first time he heard Hot for Teacher, his first Franken kit, Strange Gigs, what they did in their 10-year break, as well as the recording of their new record, Guilt Shrine, with Kurt Ballou, which is due out mid-2024. BJ's other project, Guiltless, releases its EP early next year through New Rot Records as well. So be on the lookout for all of it. In any case, today's episode is sponsored by OneUpLoops.com. Drummer, producer, and more, Carson Gant and his team spent an incredible amount of time recording over 430,000 shaker, tambourine, and hi-hat loops at every possible tempo and multiple fields with incredible mics and outboard gear for you to pick and choose. It's organized for you to find exactly what you need with just a few clicks and everything feels and sounds incredible. You can sign up for free to check it out and gain full access to all 430,000 loops starting at just $6 a month. No download limits. Whatever you want, whenever you want. New loops, one shots, and drum breaks are being added weekly. Definitely a great addition to the arsenal of any drummer and or producer, and I can vouch for it, haven't used it. It's killer. Check it out. It's oneuploops.com. crashman Crash Band Boom podcast can be found where all podcasts are found. If you like what you hear, please check out any of the previous 270 plus episodes and Double high fives if you can give me a like, a subscription, and or a positive review if you haven't already. All right, let's get into it. BJ Graves, Generation of Vipers, Guiltless, and more. Crash, bang, boom. Crowds go mad
1: with joy. Yep, yep, give, give the
0: All right bj graves generation of vipers what's up dude how are you making out man doing great yeah thanks for uh, thanks for having me absolutely i was just thinking about it it's, it's funny how i i stumbled upon generation of vipers which was like relatively recent there was a uh, social media post and one of the people that weighed in on bands awesome bands in tennessee uh was the bass player uh nate of converge and cave in he said y'all and uh, he said, "Generation of Vipers." I was like, "Well, that's a hell of an endorsement. I should check this band out." And I did. I was like, "Oh, these guys are great." And then I was asking my friends, "I'm like, you know, this band?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah." And I'm like, "How do?" Because we're we're constantly sending music together, and that one either somehow fell through the cracks, or I I, I have no explanation as to <sighs> why prior to that moment I somehow seemed to have, have like not known about y'all or not been as familiar, or I don't know. Uh, but in any case, I'm glad he mentioned it because then I listened to your stuff, and uh, it was killer so i was like oh man if I, if I pick up the podcast again i should reach out to this guy and i was like all right fuck it let's do it
1: man that's so cool that's uh that's really cool to hear that he uh vouched <laughs> for us like that
0: that's surprising that's cool you didn't you didn't know that he had done that? no not at all <laughs> that's pretty awesome heck yeah it's funny i was come we were as we were sort of talking about it earlier uh, i call it your most recent release uh even though you know come time to maybe put out this next record it might have been a decade which is wild but yeah, man, Coffin Wisdom is killer. It's a mountain of sound. Uh, it's right up my alley. Uh, and I'm interested to talk to you about some of the bands that kind of influenced y'all and kind of your drumming journey and whatnot. But uh, why 10 years? What what happened in the last decade, man? I know you'll put a live record out in between then, right? Yeah, we
1: did. Uh, I can't remember. That was probably in 2016. Okay. That was from we played uh, um, Exit Inn in Nashville with Windhand. Okay. And they and they do like soundboard recordings for for the bands if you have your like an SD card or something.
0: It sounds great.
1: Yeah, so so they offered and we took them up on it and we got it
0: back and we're like, "Hey, this sounds good." So, just something to put out. Right on. But I guess since the last studio release, did the band take a break at it? Have y'all always kind of been getting together jamming, was there what happened over the course of those years? Yeah, we took a break. Toward the end of 2016, I think that was our last show
1: until we got back together and like uh, during the pandemic, like 2020, 2021, something like that. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I had a newborn son. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was was two at the time. Um, Just, you know, life and time (laughs) is so precious. Like when you're working all the time and you got kids and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, got responsibilities, you know, but um, plus, uh, Josh and I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh huh. And we practice in Johnson City. That's where Travis, the bass player, lives. Oh, okay. Uh, we, have a, we have a studio there. Nice.
0: Uh, and that's like an hour and a half drive. Okay. So yeah, life, life happens. Uh, kids definitely don't make it easier. Um, unless you're the Foo Fighters, I suppose, or, you know maybe if you're at that level you can you can have kids and maybe uh maybe it's not as quite of a disruption in all of life oh yeah that's just a theory
1: (laughs) for sure i I feel like that would probably be a tad easier yeah
0: totally man uh well what's the story with the band dude i I was looking back uh it looked like y'all had um releases as early as was it 2008 was that about when the band formed We actually
1: formed in 2004. Okay. Uh, We put out, yeah, we recorded a record in 2004, just total DIY, like, actually, funny enough, the original lineup was me and Josh and his girlfriend at the time was playing bass, Mm -hmm. but but Travis actually recorded our first two records, so he's kind of always been in the GOV orbit, you know? Right. But, like, the first two recordings were pretty DIY. We released them ourselves. You know, the first four years of the band didn't do a lot. You know, we just played local shows and Knoxville, Johnson City. I'm not sure if we ventured much further than that. Mm -hmm. Travis joined in 2008. So that's kind of when we started taking things a little more seriously, you know,
0: trying to get it going a little more. You mentioned, I believe, Knoxville. Uh, is that where you're originally from? And at what age did you start even playing? Or what was the the moment that even led you to the instrument in the first place?
1: So I got my first drum kit. Uh, I was 12 years old. My parents found it in the newspaper. And I'm yep. pretty sure they just they just found like the first one they saw. It was like mix and match uh-huh. piece of crap. Um, yep. It was a red sparkle kick drum, red sparkle rack tom from some company called Royce, like Rolls Royce, but Okay. It just, I've never I haven't actually researched it to <laughs> yeah. even know what that was. But yeah. Yeah, I was 12. I think what sparked the interest in playing drones was just growing up, like my dad always had the classic rock radio station on. And I can like specifically remember at a pretty early age like way before I got the drum kit, like really honing in on like what sounds the drums were making, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Hot for Teacher, Van Halen.
0: Of course. Specifically, (laughs) I remember
1: hearing that and I was like, what is that? That sounds like a motorcycle, like idling or something.
0: What is like, Yeah, if it's any consolation to this day, that that drum intro still confuses me and baffles me as well. Yeah, that there are, there are guys that have figured out the sort of strange, idiosyncratic way that Alex Van Halen played that intro in the first place. It's it's so bizarre. It borderline has always said to me like it's about to fall apart, and then it's somehow, it somehow, then the song kicks in with that sick, you know, Eddie Van Halen run that he does. And then they're off to the races. But uh I, yeah. I, it wasn't until recently when I started seeing people be like pretty much nailing it. I'm like, props to you. That that intro has always kind of confused me. But in any case, Van <laughs> Allen. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, totally. I still don't understand how he does it. But yeah, I saw Josh, <laughs> Josh Freeze. Did you see that uh the Taylor Hawkins tribute where he did he, Yes, he killed it. That was so cool. Of course. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. He kills everything. Totally. But yeah, just listening to classic rock radio and listening to the drums. I remember that. And then, uh, Stuart Copeland, you know, like he was, he really stood out just being different.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think
1: that's kind of where the roots started for me. Just, just kind of focusing on the drums.
0: Yeah. What I've, what I've known you to play thus far uh, has been, you know, obviously pretty heavy, especially with, with Generation of Vipers. When did you sort of gravitate towards maybe heavier music after you started playing the drums of sort of classic rock was the foundation? So yeah, I moved from classic rock.
1: Then I made the move to Metallica. I remember like that was like one of the first CDs I got for Christmas was Metallica and justice for all. Oh boy. Yeah, that was was a, that was an important one for me. Definitely. That one. And then, you know, just kind of keep going down the path. You know, I went to Pantera after that. Then me and my buddies in middle school, you know, had a friend that played guitar and a friend that played bass. And we would, we would get together. in My parents shed and just kind of like learn how to play like songs that we could figure out, you know, like Ramones. Sure. no effects rancid Mm -hmm. nirvana stuff like that that you know we could kind of manage at (laughs) our at our at our skill level at the time yeah and it was super god it was super fun like those days just were so formative and just igniting that passion for for music for me and yeah I i still feel that way when we get together with josh and travis like you know jamming, just trying to come up with stuff. Like it's
0: just so fun. Props to all of the parents out there that have endured the the teenager angst and seemingly like playing your instrument as if it's fallen down a flight of stairs. Uh, that takes a certain level of patience uh, On one side, I'm like, I want my sons I have two uh, I have, They have plenty of equipment for them to play here Plenty of drums, I got guitars, rigs, PA Recording equipment, mm-hmm. everything And then I'm like, well, if they pick it up, it'll be fun We'll have like the, the Smith family band But also, I do realize that I'm going to have to I might have to legitimately do some soundproofing <laughs> To, oh, to yeah. isolate yeah. them a little bit So I don't have to hear it Even though my parents heard me doing the shit, you know? Yeah. Did you have, did you have your, your drum set in the house with your parents? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: me too. And like, it was those super thin hollow core doors where there's no, no (laughs) soundproofing whatsoever. I, I don't know how they put up with it Yeah. because you know what, you know, when you're first starting, of course you bash the shit out of the cymbals. Those are the, those are the main offenders.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, luckily, uh, my parents at the the first house where I had it set up, they had a pool with a a pretty loud stereo system piped outside. So I think they could just crank that and go out to the pool and hang out Mm -hmm. while we were just doing all our bullshit. And then we moved and then they were like, all right, we'll go out. Then there was a pond they could go out to even further to get further away from the house. But, you know, I mean, it's in southern Louisiana, Uh, you know, they're getting eaten by mosquitoes and just drinking gin and tonics, hoping that that'll like cure them of whatever it is that they're having to go to. But, you know, it was the good old days. I I think I got my first kid in 91, which was crazy because it was the, you know you had all the grunge that was really starting to happen i got in the summer of 91 i think i was 15 yeah dude uh, i can't believe i'm still doing this Some 34 or five year whatever it is years later i can't believe i've been doing this shit this long. i'm still collecting more shit you know <laughs> that's great yeah man me too I, 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 I i'm trying not to collect too much
1: because i don't have a lot of space for it but yeah it's very
0: very very tempting yeah, I tell you what, we have space because we're out here in the country now, now that we moved to Georgia and that we've we've got this whole section of that house downstairs. And yeah, man, it just kind of keeps coming in the mail, man. I'm like, oh boy, I've gotten to the point. I'm, I just kind of hope that I can time it to where when the wife leaves, I can just get everything, break the boxes down, throw them outside, have the shit set up. And then she, maybe she won't even know that I got it recently. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing ever happened. No. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Smart. That's, that's the goal anyway. Uh, well, once uh, once Generation of Vipers started, I guess, getting out there, you mentioned sort of when y'all uh, solidified the lineup, y'all were, uh taking it more seriously. Where were some of the places that y'all were playing shows? Who were some of the bands that y'all were playing with? Or, like Where were y'all going? Was there a scene that you were able to tap into at all? Did Nashville have anything going on then for what y'all were doing? They did a little bit, but mostly
1: for us, like we kind of stuck to Knoxville and Johnson city. That That's kind of our home base. Okay. Uh, Johnson, Johnson city has a, a great venue called the hideaway mm-hmm. and they've like been supportive, like mega supportive of us since the beginning. Like we play there so much, pro- probably too much, <laughs> Yeah. but it's just like, just a great, like little, little club up there that everybody hits, you know? Nice. And then the Knoxville has the pilot light that we've played a lot. It hasn't been like a, an enormous scene in -hmm. this area for heavy music for
0: whatever reason, but yeah. Managed to make it work. We've tried to. Yeah. Gotcha. With, with Coffin Wisdom, when I first heard it, I was like, this kind of sounds like a Kurt Ballou production. Was he involved in that at all or no? No, not that one. Actually, um, actually Travis recorded that one at our studio. It sounds great. He must be a fan, as am I, because I was like, this could almost be a Kurt Palau production. So that's interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. He's got a great ear, man. He recorded that,
0: and then uh, Andrew Schneider mixed it. Oh, well, that's why. I've interviewed Andrew Schneider. I love Andrew Schneider. Okay. Yeah, yeah, us too. Okay. I didn't realize that he did that. That also makes sense. Um God, I love Andrew's mix. There's so many records. Same with Kurt Palau. And I mean, that segues into as well, uh, this new record that y'all have recorded of, which I was lucky enough to hear a little bit of, get some sampling of. And it does sound, it it sounds badass, man. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're very, very happy. Well, when did y'all, uh, I guess, decide to work with him? And uh, tell me a little bit about the logistics of, of getting out there and working with him. Did y'all go to God City and work with him there? Yeah, we did. Really? Yeah. It was back in March. Yeah. We just booked a week and went up there
1: and it was super comfortable. We actually, we recorded, uh, not coffin wisdom, but the record before that how and filth we recorded with him up there as well. Oh, nice. Okay. And, um, uh, but this time it was a lot more comfortable. Um, he has a band apartment above the studio now. Nice. Where, whereas, uh, The first time we were there, he actually lived above the studio. Ah. um, But it it was super nice, like just being in the building, you know, wake up in the morning and just walking downstairs and starting your day. Yeah. Super nice, super comfortable. Um, He was great to work with. Of course, he gets
0: ridiculous sounds. I mean, that's why we went there. (laughs) Right? Did y'all fly out there? Because I'm just curious, y'all have such a specific tonality Across the instruments, I feel like it would almost benefit you to play all your own specific instruments. But then again, if you were going to go to a guy's studio where that wasn't the case, I would think Kurt Blue's studio would be a great place to do that. No shortage of gear, clearly, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's
1: (laughs) definitely got that covered. Yeah. Josh and Travis drove up because they wanted to, you know, bring their guitars and a couple couple heads. Yeah. But I I flew because I I just brought my cymbals and a snare drum, nice and uh, you know my my bass drum pedal and then I just used all the drums he had up there, which were Ludwig classic maples, which is what I use right now anyway. So awesome,
0: it was perfect. What snare did you bring with you? A black beauty?
1: It's kind. It's like the DW black beauty. It's the collector series black nickel
0: over brass. I have a an older other company that did their version of it as well so i don't have a black beauty in but in theory i kind of do (laughs) so i know i know what you're saying (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's what i tell myself too i love that drum i use it for everything i just i just i constantly did you end up using that snare drum on the recording as well
1: yeah for the whole record yeah
0: sick yeah so that's all your symbols snare, and then you just he just did was it a Frankenstein kit? I've talked to a uh, a good bit of guys up there that have done have total Frankenstein mismatch kits where that's just individual drum sound killer, and that becomes the kit. Did you was that the case with you as well? That was the case. That's funny.
1: So the toms were Ludwig classic maple twelve and sixteen, and then the kick drum we used was um, an old Tama Superstar. It was
0: like a nineteen eighty one, and I. Th- Think it may have been birch. They're birch. That's what I have. I have a whole kit of that. They call them, I think, super maple or something like that, which is ironic because it's it, the stain makes it look slightly maple. Maple, but those are Japanese birch drums.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. So that was that was the bass drum. I think it was a fourteen by twenty four. Yep. It just sounded sounded great. So we just went with that. That's awesome, man. How many songs y'all record up there? Uh, we did six. And um, we recorded uh, an interlude track at our studio, so there'll be there'll be seven tracks total on this.
0: Nice. Uh, so seven total tracks. What's the runtime? Because I know y'all have cranked out some pretty long jams at times. Yeah, we're trying to
1: yeah we're trying to cut the fat a little bit with well we kind of started that with Coffin Wisdom, you know, trying to make it a little more concise and mm-hmm. kind of hard, harder hitting. But um, yeah, it's probably going to be around. 36, 37 minutes, something like that. Right on. Which I feel like it looks a good length. Hell yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you, but like that's kind of the sweet spot for me if I'm listening to a whole record. Like if it's, if it's like 60, 70 minutes, it's not that I lose interest, but I'm just like, okay.
0: Even I was going to say like there's Yes's Fragile record, but I doubt it's even 40 minutes. It has some long songs on it. But uh, I'm just thinking of sort of epic, quote unquote, records. There aren't many that are over an hour that I would listen to. It's just hard to to fill an hour, regardless. Uh, but I mean, maybe if I'm on a long road trip, yeah, that's possibly when that'll that'll start to seep in. I took a road trip with my buddy in Utah. I don't remember if I ever talked about it on previous episodes or not. And I was like, let's do all the Metallica records up to the Black album. We had. Four hours there, and then we were driving around a lot, like go exploring out in slot canyons out in the desert and like getting lost and shit, and then we had a good four and a half hours uh drive back, so yeah, we did we did kill them all. I think the one rule was once we get to and justice for all. Uh, or the black album, we had a song or two each that we could vote to pass if we wanted to do that. But uh, but as mm-hmm. far as as Kill 'em All, Ride the Light, and Master of Puppets, we listened to those three in their entirety back to back, and then we got to Injustice for All, rocked that, and then rocked some of the black album. we were like, holy shit, man, you know. It was it was awesome. Every now and again if if you've got a more or, or if you're by yourself or especially if you've got somebody else who's like willing to withstand uh the onslaught of many albums from the same artist all in their entirety, it it's fun. But then again, it's all about the timing of just like just driving. <laughs> yeah, totally totally. Oh my god. Well again, I love it that y'all worked with Kurt. Uh it it is something that I've said before where with uh Kurt Blues Records I feel like he might have produced the most that are from any producer in my record collection, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. from Converge to All Pigs Must Die Trap Them or Darkest Hour or like the Young Widows record, which I didn't even realize that I was like, this record sounds great. I wonder who do this. And then it was Kurt, you know,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and, and then just at Baptist. So many of those bands. I've got so many records. So I love it that y'all worked with them. That's killer, man. Like, is there any projected release date for the record? Well, we're still kind of
1: tying up some loose ends, like finishing up the artwork and things like that. Yep. And I'm not, not, it's been a while since we put anything out, so I'm not sure how fast the turnaround is these days, <laughs> but yeah. from, from from what I hear, you know, it's usually about six months after you turn everything in before, right. you, can, you know, re- realistically expect it to be released. So right. I'm really, I'm really hoping for late spring, man. I, I I would hate to think that it's going to be any
0: longer than that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Are y'all planning to press some vinyl if possible? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's hopefully in the cards. We're still
0: talking about that, but I would like to think so. Right on. Do you figure y'all do some shows, perhaps maybe even come to the Atlanta area? Come on, man. Oh, we've definitely come to
1: Atlanta. That's only three hours from here.
0: Exactly, yeah, for yeah. sure. I was like, "Come on, y'all can do it." That's like your round trip from practicing back. Y'all can do this. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> no big deal. Hell yeah. Of some of the shows uh, that y'all played throughout time, are there any that strike you as being uh, particularly strange, or just like a complete disaster, or or hilarious, or any of, and all of the above? Well, funny you say that. Um... <laughs>
1: I don't know if it's strange, but it's kind of strange to me. Um, way back in 2007, uh, typo negative came to Knoxville and we opened for them. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, after our set, they asked us to come up and like hang out with them. And they're like, damn, you guys were great. Like, we, we didn't expect that at all. Like you, you, you sound like a, like a more psychedelic crowbar. I don't know if we're way off base, but that's what, <laughs> that's what you said. That, that's what you sound like to us. And they're like so super like enthusiastic and nice to us. And then like later on in the night, they're like, hey, we're playing in Asheville tomorrow at the Orange Peel. Do you guys want to play? And we're like, yeah, uh, is this, <laughs> is this how this works? I mean, sure. So uh, yeah, then the next day we drove to the orange pill and opened for typo negative again, and it was really unexpected. And like, it's really special. Like I think about that all the time, just how bizarre that was. Absolutely. Like, I, just, I never hear of things like that happening to, to, to many bands. So <laughs> it was, it, it was cool.
0: It sounds like they were
1: all actually pretty cool dudes. They were super cool. I was, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but I mean, they were like the most friendly, like down to earth people I've met, probably doing this music thing, man. It it, it was, it was really cool.
0: Nice, man. As far as bands that uh, maybe preceded y'all, because again, you've been doing it for a minute. Were there any bands that you felt were of like common influences in the like heavier world uh, between the, the three of you?
1: Yeah, I would probably say if I had to like boil it down early on like we were way into neurosis and sure Isis and things
0: like that. The Isis thing I I heard a little bit or I I I can't say they all sound like them but uh, there was a, it was in the spirit at times of Isis like generally you know, like a little bit slower tempos. I wouldn't say that it's doom. Mm -hmm. It's heavy uh, and it's slower tempos without being what I would consider doom necessarily. So yeah, I I could see the ISIS thing, man. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that and like, you know, unsane
1: and just- Oh yeah. Just just nasty, like heavy, um, hard hitting, like rhythmic bands. I don't know. Like that's what we're going for is just, we're, we're all three of us play drums or we have played drums in the past. Oh, nice. Yeah, we just want- Really, focus on like the rhythm and, yeah, just making sure
0: there's a groove, of course, man. Are there any other projects that you're involved in that uh, you've been working on and or looking forward to to releasing some material from potentially? Yeah, here uh over the past six months or so, I've been
1: in like a email project with uh, my old bandmate Josh Graham from a Storm of Light. Okay. We've been working on some tunes with uh his his friend dan on guitar and sasha dunable on bass that band is called guiltless okay we're we've got like a three-song demo that we're kind of putting the finishing touches on and hopefully something more will
0: happen with that next year as well gotcha when you're not doing all this music stuff and being a dad and everything else what do you do to, to to occupy your time dude i wish i had time to occupy because <laughs>
1: <laughs> like between work and you know trying to keep up with the drumming and we, we kind of live in the, the country too and I've got three acres we live on three acres and just mowing it oh, seems yeah. like mowing is, is just like all I do like <laughs> in my free time it's it's so maddening man uh, yeah but if I did have a lot of free time
0: yeah i don't even know i don't even know what i would do i would probably hypothetically you're like you don't even know what to do with yourself i, I wouldn't know what to do with myself <laughs> probably just play more drums <laughs> right on man oh yeah well sick man uh bj it was great talking to you man it's good to connect with you again it's so funny the the like converge connection with nate kind of leading me towards y'all and then you telling me that y'all working with kurt i was like this is uh a strange strange sequence of events but that's super cool yeah totally yeah that's cool to hear well it's good talking to you dude enjoy your night good talking to you man all right you too all right everybody thanks for tuning in and thanks to bj for rapping with me be on the lookout for their upcoming record a decade in the making entitled guilt shrine that's due out mid 2024 should be a powerful follow-up to 2014's coffin wisdom we'll catch you on the next one crash bang boom